Good morning, everybody. I'm Maddie Blair, and I am here with Mari Strain from the Hamilton County Coalition. Thank you for tuning in today, and Maurice, thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having me, Maddie. We don't have Cindy with us today, but we're still going to have a good show. Woohoo! Today, we are going to be talking about trauma, adverse childhood experiences. So, if you are listening and that's something that you've experienced, um, I want you to be mindful that this might be um, a touchy conversation. It might be kind of difficult for some people to talk about, but I think it is really important that we are talking about these issues. Um, so, Maurice, for people that haven't tuned in before, um, what is your role with the coalition? At the coalition, I'm one of the two lifeline coordinators at the Hamilton County Coalition covering Region 3 South, which covers Hamilton County and the nine surrounding counties. And as a lifeliner, what I do is I help people find resources to get into treatment for mental health and substance misuse. I go out and tell my story to combat stigma because I'm in long-term recovery. Also, we go out and help people to set up support groups like AANA Celebrate Recovery, Double Trouble, which is mental health and substance misuse, as well as Bridges, which is a mental health uh, support group. And also, we go out and support the faith-based community. We go out and provide, like I think it's like 14 different trainings for free to the faith-based communities of 501c3 faith-based organizations to help them uh, with the congregation as well as the community at large to have a better understanding of those individuals that are dealing with substance misuse and mental health issues. And some of those trainings deal with mental health and with ACEs as well, trauma. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I wanted to ask you, what is trauma? Is it an event or is it an ongoing experience? And it can be both, Maddie. You know, trauma is one of those things as described by SAMHSA is an event or circumstance resulting in physical harm, emotional harm or life-threatening harm you know what i mean so also you know as a general description or de um, definition when you experience very stressful frightening or distressing events that are difficult to cope with or out of our control i mean that can be one time or that can be continuous ongoing events that cause trauma so i mean it's like you and i maddie say if we're outside and your husband He's coming up, he's got his music loud, and you and I are standing there, and all of a sudden he revs up the engine and drives at us real fast and slams on the brakes, and it doesn't affect you. But because I don't know your husband, and I don't know he does things like this, it will probably terrify me to death where it doesn't phase you or affect you. And so that is a trauma for me, okay? And that, every time for me, that could lead into, in the future, every time I hear something revved up and loud music, then it triggers a response in me where my stress level goes up. And so it can be an ongoing effect with you as you continue in your process of life. And everybody deals with at least one event of trauma. I say we deal with multiple events throughout our lifetime. So it's an ongoing thing. Yeah, I would say almost everyone deals with trauma. Yes. Because even loss can be trauma, yes. grief. Um, yes. There are so many different things that that encompasses. Yes. Um, and stress, stressors are a big part of trauma as well, correct? Yes. yes so stress. what are the different degrees of stress? Uh, the different degrees of stress, which is I'm, I'm not very well versed in that aspect of it, but the different degrees, we can have positive stress and we can have uh, such things as tolerable stress as well as toxic stress. And let's say positive stress is like, say, hey, you going to school for the first time and, you know, that's a positive stress. Are you going on when you were at the age where you go on your first date or you go on a date with your future significant other or you're meeting new people. Those are positive stressors. So 
we occur with positive stresses in our daily life all day, every day. There are positive stresses where, you know, our stress level may go up, our heart may beat, may increase, and, you know, we deal with these things in, in a positive manner because they're not going. But then you have the, the tolerable stress, and you just mentioned it, grief, loss of a loved one, loss of a pet, loss of a job, loss of some kind of way that's tolerable stress. You can tolerate it because, it's, as it states, it says serious, serious but temporary stress response mitigated by positive buffering influences or relationships. So in, a, in, in that tolerable stress, as long as you have some people in your life that are going to help guide you through this process or be there to support you through this process, then, you know, the tolerable stress, we, we deal with it, we go through it, and sometimes people handle that differently based off of experiences. But to go back to the uh, positive stress, no, that's brief increase in heart rate, intensified focus, mild elevation in levels of stress hormones. So that's positive. It's just going to be temporary and mild. Tolerable, you know, it may last a little bit longer, but we can handle that. But then we come to the most damaging aspect of stress, and that's toxic stress. Intense and prolonged activation of stress response systems without positive buffering influences or relationships. So toxic is very damaging to us, as we'll talk about a little bit later. When you have toxic stress, it can affect from your mental health to your to your medical health at large. I mean, it can cause increases of, you know, in, in diseases or illnesses within the body, internal stuff. So stress is a very... Um, I say how it, it, it's a horrible thing if we do not understand how to lower our stress levels and how to deal with it and we don't understand that trauma or stress is affecting each and every one of us in yeah. our bodies. And then some of those, you know, health aspects and mm -hmm. um, for mental health that can come from that, that's yeah. even more stressful. Yes. Even more trauma that you're just adding on to that. Yes. So how might someone with trauma experience the world differently? Well, you're going to experience because you're always at a heightened level. You're always on alert. Your, your body is never relaxed. You're always tense. You're always stressed. You have some type of fear, anxiety, or something always going on. And like you, you're going to experience the world from, from a standpoint of never being relaxed. Everything in your body is always tense. You're stressed out. You're, you're just not living life on an easy plane. So your body is constantly under stress. I'm talking about your brain, your heart your internal organs, you're always stressing. So you're going to experience it from a standpoint of, I guess I like to say fear standpoint, because I've been in positions where I was just always stressed out and I was never, it affected my mental health. It affected me to, to use other substances and things like that to cope with life. So when, from me speaking personally, I experienced it totally different than say you might experience it because it, it was difficult me for me to deal with the stress levels that I had and did not have the right or correct coping skills to work with. Yeah. Now, speaking of how we all handle trauma differently, mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of times the mistake that we make, um, that anyone can make in talking with people or dealing with people who have experienced trauma is expecting them to fit inside a certain box yes. or expecting them to act a certain way yes. um, when something has happened to them they've been through you know a major event or ongoing trauma um, and I know you work with a lot of folks who have experienced trauma um, so how is that unique it is unique because you have to take a different well an individual say the word <laughs> individual uh, individualized just approach individualistic approach <laughs> with everyone and what I mean by that is you have to have a conversation with the individual you said something very key what happened to that individual so if I do not take the opportunity which we're going to address in a minute 
to get on a certain level with you to understand the experiences that you've had, then it's going to be very difficult for, for you and I to be able to find a solution for you to get the help that you need. And when I say ind individual things come along, it is because my experience, we can make experience the same thing like we were talking about with Sam, and we come out of it differently. And so it's not a one-size-fits-all. We think because of our belief system that everybody should be a certain way or it's this, this, and this. And it's not necessarily that. You know, I mean, we have to be resilient people. We have to go through things, and we have to figure out how to cope with them that's going to best fit us because trauma it is a very stressful thing. Like you said, we have all kinds of different traumas, the three different deposits, the tolerable and the uh, toxic, and everybody doesn't react the same to those things. So I must sit down and talk with you. And, and, and we can go into the next thing, uh, um, the empathy and compassion, okay? I have to have, for me, compassion is what I've learned is it, it can have you competing with, with stuff. You know what I mean? It can cause discord or cause disconnection. But if I'm empathetic with you, that means I get down there with you and I hold you and I say, hey, I may not have the solution for you, Maddie, but I'm here to listen. I'm here to hear you. I'm here to, to see the whole thing. And when I say listen, I'm not just talking about the words I'm talking about. I'm watching your body language and walking watching how you react and watching your eye movement I'm watching all these things so I can listen to you may not have the answer but I'm here to let you know that I support you through this process I don't just say hey you know at least this you know what I mean you say okay I have no cake but at least you have a mouth you know what I mean mm -hmm. and I have no shoes but at least you have feet you know I mean? I, that doesn't help a lot of people you know I have to get on the level where I'm empathetic with you so that I can have this relationship and you can trust me and allow me to come in and serve you. And sometimes sympathy feels worse yes. in that situation too. Yes, it, it does. And, it, and like I said, it causes that disconnect. When we, and we see sympathy as being a, a great thing, and it, it can be. But if I really want to get onto your level, I have to be very, very empathetic to your situation and your relationship. And it can't, I can never be like, but, or but, or but, no. Uh, I'm here for you. I may not understand, but I'm here because I'm going to listen and I want you to get better. So I'm supporting you. And I think that the trauma informed approach is something that we can all do. It doesn't just apply to work. It can be just interacting with people in your day to day life. Yes, I agree 100 percent, Maddie. And when I say interact, a lot of times we just want to feel like somebody's listening to us. Yeah. You know, we want to feel safe. Like if I come to your office and I sit down with you and I talk with you, I may not need you to say a word. Maybe I just need to come in there and just unload something and just sit down and you just sit there and you listen to me and, and you may smile at me or you may volley with me. You may give me the smile or you may do a gesture crossing your arms. You know, you may do the serve and volley with me. I mean, serve and return with me so that I feel like, okay, she hears me. She's listening to me. I just needed to do that. And we can do that on an individual level with our partners with our friends we can even do it with a stranger Cause sometimes we just smile at someone and they smile back you know what i mean and that could change their day so because we never know what trauma somebody has just experienced they may have experienced a loss or they may have just lost a job or, or a loved one or they may just had this someone yelling at them screaming at them domestic violence they may have had all these things but being able to be empathetic and care about somebody else's feelings is something that's huge and that's needed in our society because sometimes we get so caught up in being individuals and worrying about it's my, this is mine. I got to take care of me, take care of me. But if I take care of you, Maddie, guess what I'm doing? I'm taking care of me too. And so trauma, we can do that 
very easily by just taking a moment sometimes to to uh, uh, speak into somebody's life. And it doesn't have to be words. It can just be a smile or kind wave, a gesture, or sometimes just a compliment. Or if I come to the office and I just need to sit down and talk, and you just sit there and smile at me. You know, yeah. Not always looking for a solution. Speaking of that, taking care of yourself, um, do you think it can be hard for people who have experienced trauma to identify how that is manifesting in their life? Yes, sometimes, because for me, I speak for me, I, at different times I've had blinders on. And that's why I have people in my life that I trust, like, you know, my loved ones and, and, and mentors and sponsors and coworkers, people that I talk to on the daily basis or the regular basis that when they do say, hey, you know, I see this or this is what I see or this is what I hear. And then I have an opportunity to go back and look. But most of the time, if we don't have people in our lives that are being honest with us and straightforward and telling us what they do see because they're afraid that they're going to run us off. I welcome that in my life now as in my recovery process, but it has to be people in our lives that we trust. Cause you know, I often think about this thing contempt prior to investigation. For me, that means that I deny everything without even looking into it. So if someone said, Hey, I see this behavior in you, then I can't say no, because I've had trauma. So I don't know. Sometimes I, I, we speak about mindfulness and let me put that in there mindfulness because in traumatic events I can something can easily take me a smell a look a sight or something can take me back to that traumatic event or it can take me forward to something that has never even happened because of trauma in my life and so I practice a technique called mindfulness I look around rooms and I realize that hey I'm here right now so uh, you'll catch me looking around this room here I'm here right now even though because when we're talking about trauma and ACEs it can trigger some things like you said earlier. So it had to be mindful to put me here because trauma can take us back and forth. And that's why we have to have people from my perspective in our lives that are honest and true with us and that want to be empathetic with us. That's hard to get comfortable with though, too, to, you know, with that feedback, but that's so important. Yeah. It, it is very difficult, Maddie, but we've been taught for it to be difficult. That's true. You know I mean? We've been taught to not to talk about things that go on with us because it brings about shame and guilt. But for me, I've learned that talking about things can help me heal on the inside. And a lot of things I believe were not just meant for me. If I can talk about them and help somebody else to deal with it, then I am using that as a tool to help somebody. So keeping things inside is one of the worst things I ever did for myself. So it can be difficult, but it's a thing that you learn over time that, hey, the more I talk about this, the less power it has. You know, and when I was in recovery, they always said, when I was in treatment, rather, they always said, you're only sick as your darkest secrets. So things that I'm hiding, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm still, you know, traumatic for me, and I don't want to deal with them, don't want to talk about them. So that's still trauma for me. I'm living over and over and over. So those events are in my mind and heart, and I haven't spoken them out. I haven't gotten feedback on them. I haven't gotten any techniques from my therapist or my counselor, haven't gotten any positive uh, affirmations going in or positive self-talk, positive imagery. I haven't learned any different coping skills, but to just deal with it how I've always dealt with it. Yeah. Um, and I do just want to quickly add before we go to break, if you are listening and experiencing um, mental health trauma or um, substance use disorder, please give us a call. Our number is 423-305-1449, or you can go to our website at hccoalition.org, and we would love to get you connected with some of those resources. We will be right back after this break.
Hey, welcome back, everybody. My name's Maddie Blair, and I am here with Maurice Grain from the Hamilton County Coalition. Thank you for tuning in today. And Maurice, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me, Maddie. We've been talking about trauma, um, had a really great conversation talking about that. And we're also going to talk about ACEs, which are adverse childhood experiences. And this is so connected to our work in substance use, substance use prevention, um, and connected to trauma very much as well. Um, so I want to start off, Maurice, with what are ACEs? ACEs, as it, it came from an experiment in California, um, are adverse childhood experiences. And, and those are uh, things like violence, child abuse, domestic violence. Uh, it can be anything like divorce. It can be rape or it could be any of those things that affect you it could be food insecurities it could be a whole lot of different things i think there are like 10 of those things that uh they um came up with it based on those things and it's it, it affects every area of our life our entire life i would say that more people experience aces than you would think of because mm -hmm. um, some of them are as common as divorce which mm -hmm. we were talking about during the break so that's you know almost 50 percent of people that have experienced that in some way yeah and that causes a trauma like we talked about earlier so that event right there is going to uh, uh dictate a lot for you throughout your lifetime as a child and a lot of times we don't look at it like what does a child have to worry about but there's so many variables that we go through as children that aren't are not recognized you know those stressful events you know we don't think about those stressful events and, and how they're going to affect the child long term so like we were talking about with the uh, um, child abuse or we're talking about violence in the neighborhood or food insecurities, all those things affect the child as you're going up. And if you do not get that child into the proper uh, uh, guidance role or into the proper health and healing role where it may be a therapist or a doctor or it may be uh, um, some type of healing process, then they will continue to carry these things, this trauma with them throughout life. And uh, I didn't know anything about uh, childhood experiences until uh, the ACEs, uh, Adverse Childhood Experiences, until I actually got into this field of work and how they dictate people and things in life. And from your health to your physical health, your mental health, your substance misuse, the way you eat, the way you live, the way you do things. So it, it's, it's a very powerful thing. Yeah, I didn't hear about them until college, um, but this is something that, affects everybody yeah. you know it's something that we should all be talking about yes we should all discuss it and look it up so that we have a better understanding because it's like we talk about a lot of people say what's wrong with you what's wrong with you instead of what happened to you and adverse childhood experiences that uh, experiment and, and they went back and did it again but initially because of how things were set up but it lets you know that some things happen to all of us some things happen in that kind of guides us with our experiences of who we turn into or who we become or the things we decide to do and not to do in order to just sometimes survive. Yeah. Um, as of 2019, according to the CDC, 61% of adults had at least one ace. Yes. And those can add up as well. Um, so I wanted to ask you uh, how having a higher number of aces can influence adulthood. It can influence it in a lot of ways, but the one thing that sticks out to me, and people with uh, uh, ACEs are six above, live 20 years less. Oh, wow. 20 years. If you had these six, six experiences out of those 10 or more, 
then your life expectancy is cut by 20 years. So in it's from four is this and two is that, but you can have as many as 10, but it does not necessarily mean that you're going to run into these things in your life or run into these issues, but it is a pretty good indicator of how we're going to live and exist in life based off of those things. But that is the biggest thing to stand out to me with those statistics, Maddie, is that if you have six aces or more, your life expectancy is cut by 20 years. That's huge. Yeah, that is. And, and we don't even understand or know these things. I At least I didn't because it, it wasn't in my peripheral. I didn't understand the importance of it. And because we talked about it earlier during the break, some of these things are just what we call, quote, unquote, normal in my society or in my culture or whatever it is normal. So these things happen and we don't think about the adverse effects that it's going to have on me or my family or my children or my children's children unless we decide we're going to get some help for these things and start looking at solutions and coping skills of how to be better and how to deal with these things that happen to us. Yeah, I mean, they can... They can stem from generational traumas as well, right? Yes. And, and uh, uh, generational traumas, that's like, okay, say, let's take food insecurity. Say somebody mm -hmm. was back in the depression, and they may, because they were in depression, they may live a certain way, and they may continue to live that way all their lives. And you may pick up these habits from these experiences with your elders, your mother, grandmother, somebody, and just doing them, but not even know why they did them, and not even ask the question because... Okay, this is the way they did it. This is how it's supposed to be done. And so that they, they put stuff away and they kept food away and they did things a certain way because they were living during the Depression. But you're just doing it because you think that's the way that they did it, but they had a reason. So generationally, we continue to do the same thing over and over without ever understanding why these things were done. So we have generational things. The food insecurity thing is huge. You know, the domestic violence thing is huge. The divorce thing is huge. The sexual abuse is huge. You know, you have so many young men and young women that have been sexually abused. And, and I, I'll bring it back to a personal level here. That had happened to me, and I did not discuss that or tell anybody for 40 years. I was 46 years old before I ever uh, uh, approached the subject of being sexually abused. You know, I kept it. It was shame and guilt. And now I've learned that 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 was an ACEs, adverse child experiences that created some things in me and made me act a certain way. Never didn't discuss it until I was 46 years old about the abandonment, about my dad being not there, about my dad being gone and things like this. And that made me look at and understand why I lived a certain way or why I was attached or why I acted a certain way when people left me or why, because of those abandonment issues and, you know, finding out that you have all these things going on can help you better understand and heal and learn new coping skills. Thank you for sharing that. I know you're always sharing your story, mm -hmm. reducing stigma, and that's so important because, like you said, you know, you didn't talk about it for that many years. Mm -hmm. And so many people, es especially men, are in the same boat because of the way our culture views sexual abuse. Yes, and we, we, that's the shame and the guilt that's tied to it, so we keep it hidden. And as we discussed before, that's one of the worst things I ever learned to do was not talk about things so I wasn't able to deal with the childhood experiences you know you, you, you're growing up in a community where you think you're doing the right thing but the victim has become the victimizer and the victimizer becomes the victim and, and so it's just a, a spiral circle and so we never talk about it in order to get the healing because everybody's thinking oh it's such taboo that it doesn't happen to me or it doesn't happen in my family the likelihood that those things are happening are real and we know that now it's in every community yes 
every community and you know the percentages that we look at and, and I don't remember them all but you realize you know the percentage of people that are actually having these issues is great you know we have what three to four hundred million people in this country and I would just say dare say a great percentage of individuals have experienced like you said not one but several several of the aces is and going through these processes alone without talking about them and you know it obviously impacts mental health and we've talked about the trauma aspect of that but you mentioned uh in the first segment while we were talking that it it uh, affects physical health as yes. well yes it does um when you talk about it increases our um opportunity of having things like um liver disease and strokes and increases the possibility of the mental health aspects where you know we have these mental health things like anxiety and depression and bipolar and uh, schizophrenia and personality disorders all those things are increased and, and you know how damaging stroke and liver disease and heart disease are all these things come from the adverse childhood experiences the trauma distress and you also what I went to and I do have some of those other things but the substance misuse you know uh, those people individuals that do have uh, several aces you know a lot of times are susceptible to using substances to deal with those uh, adverse childhood experiences that they had the trauma that they never knew how to deal with so there are a lot of things that cause us to to move forward in life and the ways to survive so with those adverse childhood experiences yes you you know it's going to increase social problems you know it's going to increase your, your your health and mental health and physical health and so it's, it's just going to alter your brain, your immune system. It's going to do a whole lot of things, and that's why I would encourage anyone listening to look up ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences, and get a full, better understanding because what Maddie and I are doing, we're just skimming the surface. But to look at it and see how you have uh, experienced some of these ACEs, maybe some of you all haven't or think you haven't, but I would encourage you to look at it and look into it and also to Go and find a therapist or some help or some trainings to help you understand better what adverse childhood experiences are and if you've had them and how they are affecting you. For sure. And even if you haven't experienced them directly, a family member has, a friend has, yes. someone directly close to you has. Yes, and that's the thing. A lot of times we don't look at it. We were talking about it earlier, that people are going through things every single day. You know what I mean, and how can we be there and be empathetic and support them? That's by... We can, we'll go into it later on, but can I educate myself? Can I educate myself to be there to support you? Can I educate myself to be there to support myself and to learn the new skills and coping skills and abilities to help me to get through these things that I've never had? You know, the mental health part for me is huge. I have to work on that on a daily basis. I have to take my medications. I have to have a therapist. I have to have talk. I have to have mentors. I have to have all these things. So, yes, learning more about the adverse childhood experiences and the effect that they can have on you mentally, emotionally, and, and let's not uh, leave out the physical and the spiritual aspect. So, you know, the spiritual is a huge aspect for us all to, to grow spiritually, grow better, grow more, so that we can learn to deal and cope with things. I do want to point out that if you have ACEs, that doesn't mean that you no. are not going to be successful. No. And we can talk about that, and we have, you mentioned it earlier, but it doesn't mean that it's going to affect you. Uh, the director of uh, our faith-based initiative, uh, Jamie, was saying that uh, he had a lady one time come up and say that, hey, I had all ten of these, but none of these things happened to me. And 
he took it as, hey, yes, you know, we're resilient. We know how. It doesn't mean that you are doomed because you have these. You know, it means that these things have happened to you. And so, yes, let's take the opportunity to learn about them so we can help other people be more resilient and understand, okay, just because these things happen to you don't mean you have to fall into this category. It doesn't mean that you're going to be, you know, a person that falls down here and use substances or abuse them or have heart disease or die 20 years earlier. What it does mean is that some things have happened to you, and so let's let's look at those events. It doesn't mean, like you said, that you cannot be successful because even if you have these, um, anybody who gets up and works hard at becoming a better person, I think they're successful. Yeah. You know, so, yes, it, it is a, it, it's not a, a, excuse for lack of a better term, a death sentence in any way. Right. Um, it is a good framework, though, for prevention. So what are some things that we can do to prevent ACEs or address them? Well, like I said, addressing ACEs is learning more about it. You know, anything that I, I can learn more about, and the key to it to me is understanding let me understand some things, let me research it, let me go and do some trainings so I can understand better what these adverse childhood experiences are, the 10 of those that the um, the experiment was based off of, and did any of these things happen to me? And if they did, how can I go about going and getting help for them? And, and we're looking at the holistic thing, mind, body, and spirit. You know, we, the family, you know, let's work on the family because, hey, I can easily have given a whole bunch of these things to my children or family members or friends and how do I make myself better so I can go back and in turn to help them be better because for me every generation I would like to think from this point forward gets better based off of understanding what has happened and not being ashamed of what has happened in the family or in your culture or in your life. I think violence prevention is another big one as mm -hmm. well I'm looking at that and mentorship that's something that you and I have talked about um, that's a big part of it but yeah looking at that holistic family approach and mm -hmm. um, that's something that we do at the coalition as well with our family care program yes. um, and if you are interested in that please go to our website it's hccoalition.org or you can give us a call it's 423-305-1449 and um, you know they look at those different factors yes the family care program is, is about getting the family back together and that's a like you just said that is a huge part of overcoming the aces we have to learn different things in there like they had the financial they had the cooking and they have the other aspects of the family bringing the family back together doing therapy together and so helping each other to get better and understanding that hey some things happen to us there's nothing wrong with you let's educate ourselves in this way and then like you said the violence you know domestic violence oh, it doesn't have to continue we can stop cycles Right. We can stop cycles in adverse childhood experiences, and that way, like I said, going to get therapy, going to get training, going to get all the things that we can do to reduce, say, reduce violence, helping kids to understand. And I know in schools they're using more trauma-informed care where you don't have to just send a kid home or suspend them or expel them. You're trying to figure out, not trying, but figuring out what has happened to them so that you can better help them to become better and more productive members in society. We can't just throw people away. Absolutely. Thank you so much for um, for sharing your knowledge with us. And we're going to keep talking about this when we get back. We're going to talk about some of the resources that are available in our community to address trauma and ACEs um, and talk about substance use and work with the Hamilton County Coalition. So stay right there.
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Maddie Blair, and I'm in studio with Maury Strain, our lifeline coordinator with the Hamilton County Coalition. Hello, everyone. And I want to add, if you do want a training, a more in-depth training on ACEs, a trauma-informed care, you can reach out to me at the Hamilton County Coalition. My phone numbers are area code 423-933-6772. That's 423-933-6772 or... 931 3106944 That's 931-310-6944. And Maddie, the number at the coalition is? 423-305-1449. And we've been talking about why might people with multiple adverse childhood experiences be more likely to misuse substances? That is a way of coping with those childhood experiences. For me, it was a way of coping that I did not have to think about some of the things that I had been through or the trauma that has been caused by some of those things. And then not just in my early childhood, but also throughout. It was this innate thing in me that I just didn't want to deal with certain things. And initially, with the substance abuse part started out for me, Maddie, as a way to escape. And when I mean escaping, whether you're drinking alcohol or using some kind of other illicit substance, it's a way to escape. And so initially, it was fun because it gave me an opportunity to be something I wasn't or to get away. But as it prolonged and kept on and, and, and taking more and more, it became uh, developed into the disease that got out of control. So initially, it didn't start out as a problem. It just ended up with a problem because of me not being capable of having the tools to deal with the childhood experience of trauma, continuous trauma that I was going through or the uh, mental health issues that I wasn't deal with, dealing with or just whatever the thing was that was going on with me at the time that I could not handle, whether it was my emotions, ideas, thoughts, beliefs. So it just continuously progressed. So those adverse childhood experiences played a huge role. And I want to add for our listeners um we discussed this a little bit during the break but trauma can happen at any point in your life we've been talking a lot about adverse childhood experiences and certainly a lot of it can stem from that but you can have new traumas at any point yes and we were talking about it when you develop having new experiences it can be new trauma we were talking about like if i mean you and i were standing outside and your husband drove up doing this that could be a a new trauma or it can trigger an old trauma and it can cause more stress and we can go out here and we can and god forbid we have an accident and that's a new trauma or we can fall and hurt ourselves or we can lose a job or we can lose a loved one and you know it, it trauma just is going for me is going to continue to happen but how do we deal with it what experience do we take from it and do we use it to to get better now i've heard people say that the trauma-informed approach um, removes accountability. Mm -hmm. How would you respond to that? For me now, I would say definitely not. Uh, it does not remove accountability. For me, the trauma-informed approach made me realize that I was accountable for my healing process through the trauma because I had to look at the parts that I played in it. And, and, and it might not have been initially I'd done anything, but at some particular point in time, I have to play a part in it because I keep staying in that mode or I won't talk about it or I won't do anything about it. I'm standing. I'm not getting the solution. So for me, I, I had to become accountable to what can I do? You know, what I mean, what part did I play and what can I do to get better? You know, if I want to continue to stay in the uh, uh, stay in addiction, I would have never looked at, OK, 
those things happened to me. The, 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 the physical abuse happened to me. You know what I mean? My dad left. That didn't have anything to do. He went away because he, he had some legal stuff that went on and, you know, all these things or these things happened to me. Okay, now we're out of my control, but what can I do about them now to get better? Do I continue to avoid them or do I take the stance and find solutions for my healing? Do I learn how to cope with them? Do I go to therapy? Do I talk about this? Do I get the proper medication that I need in order to deal with my mental health? Or, you know, and I, I talk about this, and, and part of my adverse childhood, uh, part of my trauma was a lot of people don't know, Maddie, they see me now, but I spent three and a half years solid in the wheelchair. I spent 15 years in and out of bed with chronic disease, uh, of uh, physical disease of chronic arthritis that crippled me. So that was a huge trauma. But I made a decision that, hey, I have to get into solution. And I got back up through a lot of hard work and dedication, and I'm able to walk on my own now. You know, so, you know, there's a lot of trauma that's going to be, what am I going to do? What part did I play in this? What can I do better? So I have to be accountable. It doesn't, it did not, the trauma-informed care did not absolve me from anything. It made me, if anything, it made me more aware that I have to be accountable for my actions. Is healing a lifelong process from trauma? Yes. For me, it's lifelong because I was just talking about it to, to our colleagues, Emily and Jan, who do our intervention process at the uh, Hamilton County Coalition. Emily does the New Start, and Jan does the, uh, <clears throat> the uh, uh, um, what am I trying to do? Reentry. Reentry, yes. <laughs> Jan does the reentry, and they do a wonderful job. I was just talking about them, the healing process of being mindful, and we spoke about it earlier, about your health, mental health, and your your process of recovering because recovery is something everybody's recovering from something in order to recover we need to have connection and so if we're connected to people that care about us and doing things and we're doing our part and the people we're connected to are helping us through these processes then it's going to continue to be a lifelong process i heard a guy say this one time whatever i did to get into recovery to my healing process it's like going up a down escalator as long as i keep walking up that escalator I'm going to continue to heal. But as soon as I stop on that down escalator, where does I go? I go back down to the bottom. So I must continue a lifelong process of healing because if I don't, I'm starting my relapse. Uh, and whatever the relapse may be, it may be from food, alcohol, drugs, uh, it may be health, it may be a, a, a myriad of things. But as soon as I stop doing the healing process, I'm headed back to where I was before. So, yes, it's a, for me, a lifelong process and it's an enjoyable lifelong process and i add this little thing in caveat i often tell people some of the worst things i've ever done have led me to the best life i could ever live because i'm looking at healing every day i take accountability and responsibility for my life and i don't avoid anything if you say maddie you say maurice the healing process da 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 maurice i see this in you and i'm like no maddie that's not no that's not me healing me healing is taking an opportunity to look at something that you see that i may be missing Speaking of um, connections, you mentioned that, and I know we've talked about not doing it alone, yes. um, not having to go through this alone, because mm -hmm. that just makes things so much harder. Yes. Um, that's a big part of a lot of recovery programs, right? Yes. Uh, having a support. And at the Hamilton County Coalition, we have a family support group that we have every Tuesday night at 630 at the Hamilton County Coalition at 5721 Marlin Road. At the Hamilton County Coalition, we have a family support group for individuals that were in our program as well as anybody who would like to come. 
that we talk about trauma that has happened within the family. We talk about the substance misuse. We do trainings in there with the ACEs and the trauma-informed care, and we do all of those things in there so that we could continue to have connections and connect. And that's what people please come and get involved with something. What I mean something, some type of support group, whether it's AANA, Celebrate Recovery, Double Trouble, any type of support group because there's healing when we come together, connections equal recovery so we we do not have to do it alone we don't have to isolate and that's talking about in the trauma-informed care a lot of times we we isolate and we get away from people and we stay to ourselves and that's that's what i did and that's no healing in that you know what i mean isolation so i have to stay connected to people and as maddie can tell you i'm a huge talker so i love to talk i love to ask questions and i stay connected to people on a daily basis and that's one way we do it at the coalition plus we have people that come and I'm a peer-to-peer. I will sit. I will talk to people through peer-to-peer. That's one of the things I do is mentoring and peer-to-peer. I'm a peer support specialist, certified peer recovery specialist in the state of Tennessee. So having individuals that can sit down based on lived experience and we can talk and we can listen to one another and we can support and encourage each other on the things that we make suggestions to do and help each other. How important would you say using trauma-informed uh, framework or method is when you are working with clients? It's very important because majority of the people that come to the coalition for our service of intervention or prevention or the family cares program have experienced a tremendous amount of trauma. And a lot of it sometimes is undiagnosed trauma. And so being able to see different things and encourage people to go get the therapy they need from the Family Justice Center or from any other volunteer behavioral health services or Park Ridge Valley or from from Erlanger East, the mental health stuff, as well as the substance abuse or go to CADIS or any other day, any other um, facilities that we have people to go to and helping them to see and understand that, hey, I do need help. This has become an issue for me. It's vitally important. We send people to, to, to support groups like AANA and Celebrate Recovery at the Abba's House. And, we do a lot of things, uh, with, you know, starting to hopefully do some things with Olivet Baptist Church and other places, other faith-based organizations that need support, they need to support people. And so we can't do it alone. We need the community at large, the community at large to get informed and to learn and understand the basis of why people have gone through what they've gone through and why they had a response that they have. So that's why I said earlier, Maddie, we have trainings. We have 13, 14 trainings that we can do uh, to the community that are free and all you have to do is call and we set up a, a, an event and set up something at the church at your business at your job whatever so we can come out and inform the community that these are things that we provide to help people get better and to heal and go through the process and it, maybe you like you said earlier maybe you aren't going through anything but more than likely someone in your family or one of your friends may be going through these things. It's just like with the regional overdose prevention that we have, the ropes training of saving Narcan training, saving a life. So any any information we can get to help ourselves and somebody else, that's what we need. So we have all these trainings that we can help people go through and learn and they can get important information that way. So we can continue to service people in prevention and intervention. I want to talk about one of your trainings. You do the Addicted Mind, yes. right? Yes. Um, so, you know, we've been talking about accountability. Um, and if you wouldn't mind just touching on really quickly how addiction is something that happens to you, how that's a trauma, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think that's a really important message. With the Addicted Mind, we, we briefly discuss it and shows you how the mind and body are affected, how the brain in particular is affected by substances. I mean, you are hijacked 
once you start using substances and, and we can discard alcohol, but we can't because it affects the brain as well. So the addictive mind tells you why we respond the way we do once we have uh, become addicted to these substances and how the body reacts and how it has to have it. And you see people that are, are, are going through uh, withdrawals and you see how people think and you see it takes time to heal the brain and the neurons and everything. And so it explains the whole idea of the mind and the body that's being affected through substance misuse. And that's one of the uh, uh, greatest trainers that we had addicted mind ACEs. We have the trauma informed care. We have the mental health basics. You know, we have all these trainings. Also, we can provide the suicide prevention trainings. We can have people come in. I can do it or somebody else can do it. But we have all these trainings and addictive mind just lets you know that the brain has been hijacked. And so when we ask people, what's wrong? No, it happened and the mind has been hijacked. So it's going to take time for the brain to heal and for the internal organs to heal. It's going to take time. So the addictive mind is, is one of the ones that I love to, to train on. It's a disease, not a, a moral failure. Yeah. And and people are going to see it both ways, but I like to see it as a as a disease. Yeah. I know. mean, and from a public health perspective, that's, you know, that's what medical professionals believe. Yeah. And yeah. And, and science has proven that, too, is that it's a disease that it's hijacking us and, and it causes grave, grave issues within the brain. And, and you can see through imaging that how the brain is affected and how it continues to repair itself over a period of time. Um, one thing that we have coming up that you have coming up mm -hmm. is Day of Hope. Yes. Would you mind telling us about that really quick? The Day of Hope is something that's been established across the state of Tennessee. You can look it up online for, for mental health and substance abuse people that have experienced that, whether you're in the family or you're the individual that experienced it. Is, and we're going to have our program on March the 9th at the Abbas House. We're working on finalizing everything now, but it's actually, the day is actually March the 10th, which will be a Sunday, but we're going to do it on Saturday, National Day of Hope here in the state of Tennessee. So I would encourage everybody to look it up and please be looking for information on social media out there, hearing about it through the uh, coalition website about it the day of hope we want to make it tremendous we want to make it huge we want to inform people that they're not alone that their services out here and their discussions being had to help individuals to get better and to better understand what they have gone through or what their loved ones are going through so there is support there is help so please reach out to us at the hamilton county coalition come and participate in the day of hope i'm excited about it and uh i'll be having future events coming up and i will be letting everyone know and we want everybody to come to that, right? Yes, we want everybody yes. to show up. Any you in earshot of this, please come to the Day of Hope at the Abbas House on March the 9th here in 2024. Thank you so much for being with us today, Maurice. Um, again, our phone number at the Coalition is 423-305-1449. And our website is hccoalition.org. We will be back next week, so we will catch you then.